It's an honor to open up God's Word with you all this morning. Thank you for joining us. If you're new here, um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming. And it's a, it's a joy to bring God's Word um, to us this morning. Um, my name is Ryan, and I'm one of the elders here. Um, if we haven't met, I'd love to meet you after the service. Um, if you have been with us for any length of time, you know we've been in a series called Summer in the Psalms, where we've looked at a different psalm um, each week um, for the past few months. And um, this Sunday, we will be in Psalm 103. So if you want to turn there with me, um, we will be camped out there this morning. Psalm 103 is a psalm of praise. It's a psalm of celebrating God's abundant goodness um, in our lives. It's really God's dealings with his people um, for his glory, ultimately, but it's God continually pouring out his goodness toward his people and then how we as a people should respond to God's goodness. Um, it's, and David mentioned some specific scenarios like during the exile with Moses. Um, and so I believe that David is talking about giving us principles by how to live from creation until reconciliation when Jesus make, comes back and makes all things new. David is giving us a framework for how we should view the goodness of God. And as we, as we get into this, um, one, there's a show that, that I thought of as I was thinking through at Psalm 103. And, um, but have any of you seen the show called Alone? It's on History Channel. Cool. Um, a few of you in here. So Alone is essentially... There's 10 contestants. Each contestant is dropped off in a remote location throughout the world. The past three seasons have been primarily in the Arctic Circle, um, which is, would not be su- such a fun place to live when you have to live off the land. And they're dropped off probably like late summer. And the goal is to sustain life as long as possible. So whoever survives the longest wins. And as you can imagine, there are incredible challenges But each of these contestants, they're able to pick 10 items, 10 items that they can bring with them based off this list that they're given. And so some people focus on more hunting or a fire starter or um, whatever maybe their gifting is. But you can imagine that this is a challenging environment to live in. Like, remember one episode, there's a guy in his his shelter and the shelter is completely surrounded by wolves. Or another person, their, their shelter catches on fire. Or another guy goes fishing and he ends up falling through the ice. So, like, this is, this is like, I, I am not fit for this. My wife is saying this is, like, her absolute worst nightmare to even spend a day in some of these places. Um, even though they're beautiful. But what's shocking to me is that most of the time, the best hunters out of the group or the best, the people with the best tools or fire starters, or even the people who make the best shelters, they're not always the ones who win, who win the show. But the people who win the show are those who are content with whatever circumstances are thrown at them. So if their shelter burns down, the next morning they're gathering logs and they're rebuilding a shelter. They're not phased by the circumstances that are around them. They maintain this joy and this hopeful attitude the whole time, maintaining their focus for what what they're doing. And I was struck as I thought about last week's message on Psalm 13. And after the service, Pastor Mark had us write down all these laments. And I spent this past week reading through and praying through those laments. And my heart was broken. It was broken over the, the brokenness in this church, the, the things that we are all suffering through, the things, the pain and 
yeah, there's so many challenges. It made me realize that this church is not immune to suffering. We are not immune to things going poor in our lives. But the reality is that there's not a church in, this, on the, in the world that's immune to suffering. There's not a person who's walked the, the face of the earth who's immune to suffering. We all face suffering. We all face challenges. And despite these challenges, despite the brokenness and the pain that all of us walk through, I believe that David this morning has two tools or two, two steps that the Lord wants us to take in order to live what I want to call the good life. And the good life is not in Mexico at a beach drinking pina coladas. It is like you sustaining life, abiding in Christ, and doing these two things. Sustaining life for the next 30, 50, or 70 years. And what David gives us is this. First, remember the gospel. Remember the goodness and the mercy of God. And secondly, bless the Lord. So out of that remembrance, out of, out of your heart being overfilled over with God's goodness, God's mercy, the gospel, bless the Lord out of that. So let's see what David has to say this morning. So starting in verse or chapter 103, Psalm 103 verses one, and I'm just, we're going to read through five, but before we jump in, let me, let me pray for us real quick. Father in heaven, we know that you are good. We know that you are patient and kind, God. I, I pray that your spirit would be active in the hearts of um, these men and women um, in this room, Lord, that you would do a work in each of us, that you would propel us to love, um, love the gospel, that we would love your goodness, and that we would remember it, and that we would bless your name, God. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you this morning, God. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who heals... Uh, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So this psalm is a psalm of praise. David has this posture of praise as he is sitting there thinking in the presence of the Lord. And maybe you've been in a, in a public setting at some point and you've walked by somebody who you thought is a little bit off when they're sitting there talking to themselves or talking to, um, they're just speaking words out loud. This is somewhat similar to what David is doing here. David is having a conversation out loud with his soul and blessing the Lord. He is thinking in the presence of God. And this is, this is what it means. It doesn't mean that, that we need to be a bunch of quacks and crazy people who just talk to ourselves all day long. But this is, David is, is instructing us to constantly be talking to the Lord and to our souls. Reminding our souls of his benefits. Reminding our souls that God is the one who forgives our iniquities. Who heals our diseases. Who redeems our life from the pit. And who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. David is calling us to remember these things. Remember the gospel. So first and foremost, we must remember the gospel. Because David is very concerned with us not remembering the gospel. 
He says, forget not all his benefits. He's, he's emphasizing this idea that, that we are prone to forget. We're prone to forget the goodness and the mercy and the benefits of God. David is saying, no, no, no. Don't continue on in your life, in your job, in the thing, in your hobbies, in everything you like to do. Don't continue doing that and not blessing the Lord or not remembering the goodness of God. He's saying, oh, my soul, do not forget. Do not forget the goodness of God in all that you do. When you wake up in the morning to when you go to bed at night, do not forget the gospel, but remember it. And what makes the gospel so good is that there is some really good news, but in order for that good news to be really good, there, there's got to be some really bad news. So we must remember that bad news. We must remember our sinful state. We must remember that our hearts, this is why David says this, because our hearts are so prone to forget. See, ultimately, sin is forgetting. It's forgetting the glory of God. It's forgetting the power of God, forgetting the goodness of God, forgetting the faithfulness of God, forgetting the commandments of God, forgetting the justice of God, forgetting the grace of God. We want to forget all of those things because we want to continue just going on in our lives. And that, that is just the easiest way to go is just not, not remembering, not acknowledging God until we need something because our hearts are so prone to forget. Even in Genesis three, when Adam and Eve are living in perfect paradise. They have every, all their needs covered. They need nothing. They're living in communion with God. But they sin by forgetting. They forgot God's goodness. God said, don't eat of this fruit from this tree. And they forgot that God's goodness was better than, than this fruit. God, Adam and Eve forgot how much God had given them. In that moment, they had forgotten and they had fallen and they ushered sin into the world. We are too similar to Adam and Eve in this regard. We are so quick to forget God's goodness. Up on the screen here, we're going to have a passage from Deuteronomy 8, verse 11 through 19. It's a longer passage, but I really want us to, to focus on the, the seriousness of how God talks about our forgetfulness. This is specifically after God has just led his people out of Egypt. They've been in slavery forever. And God has given them everything. Once again, he's, he's given them food. He's given them water. He's cleared their path. So listen to this. Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 19. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his rules, his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and my might of my hand have gotten me this wealth." 
you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. This is why David is so serious about you not forgetting the gospel, you not forgetting the goodness of God, because God is really serious about it. God says a lot of really hard things in this passage about not forgetting God's goodness. And God has done an overwhelmingly amount of good things in our lives. We're all here this morning because of God's abundant goodness. But we have to remember that we have forgotten. We have forgotten God's goodness. We, we have to remember our sin in order for us to, to see his mercy. And because of, because of our sin, we deserve what verse 10 in Psalm 103 says. Some, verse 10 says, he does not deal with us according to our sins. But what we deserve is that God would deal with us according to our sins. That's what we deserve. We deserve for God's anger and wrath and judgment to be poured down on us. We don't like hearing that. That is super uncomfortable for all of us in this room to hear that we deserve God's anger and wrath and judgment upon our lives. But maybe I should have just let the kids just be up here the whole time because what they said is the truth of the gospel. That even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, He has made us alive together with Christ. That by grace you have been saved. That though we were dead, though we were following the ways and the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, we were following in this direction. That we all forgot. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead... So we must remember our sinful state, but we must also remember God's great mercy. Look with me at verses 8 through 12, Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not always chide, nor does he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. In verse 8 here, David is is taking verse 8 from Moses' words in Exodus 34, 7. And that passage will be on the screen here. And it, it struck me as I was reading this, this parallel passage of how different Moses and, and David are, what, how different what they're saying is. So this is, what, this is what it says in Exodus 34, 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, keeping his steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That, that sounds pretty similar to what we just read from Psalm 103, from what David had said. Sounds pretty similar up until this last line, where Moses says that God will by no means clear the guilty. Meaning, even though God is gracious and merciful, he's abounding in steadfast love. Moses is saying that God will by no means clear the guilty. Like, 
They're contradicting themselves here, aren't they? Because David's saying that he will not deal with us according to our sin. Moses is saying that he will not let the guilty go free. So how do these two things in God's inerrant word together? And I, like, praise God, we have the fullness of God's word. We have, we have Jesus coming to earth and dying in the place of, of us. In Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God did not clear the guilty. God took our guilt, our shame, and laid it upon Christ. And Christ went to the cross for us. Christ took the wrath of God. He took the punishment of God on our behalf. God just doesn't t- look at us and say, you are guilty, I forgive you, just don't, just don't mess up anymore, just don't sin anymore, just go and sin no more, but I, I forgive you. No, God, God doesn't look at us, even though we're sinners, and say, you're guilty, but, but I forgive you. He says, you are not guilty. He says, you're not guilty. There's no judge in the world that would look at a criminal and say, you are not guilty. But we can understand forgiveness or being pardoned. To, to a small degree. But this is, this is just ridiculous that someone, that a sinner can stand before a holy God who is deserving of all glory and honor and praise and we have forgotten him and God looks at us and says, not guilty. Like that's an amazing truth. That's why we must remember God's mercy, that God did not just leave you in your sins. But he, he, he transferred your sins to Christ and gave you Christ's righteousness. So we must remember our sinful state. We must remember God's great mercy. And we must remember our adoption. That we have been bought with a price and brought into God's family as his sons and daughters. Verse 13 through 17. As a father shows compassion to his children... So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And it knows its place no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. This has got to be... The greatest news that God is, is loving us like a father has compassion on his children. Like that's the, that's the relationship that God is seeking with each one of us. That he is a compassionate and loving father who cares for us. He is, he is purchased for us eternal everlasting life. But not only that, he is giving us the inheritance of his glory. We are, we are heirs to his throne. We are heirs to his kingdom as his children. And if, and if you're sitting there thinking, like, man, like, I've really, I've really messed up a lot in my life. Like, I've, I, I know I've believed in God, but I have totally forgotten about God and really don't care at this point. And I don't even, I don't even know if God even loves me. The truth of this passage says that if, you, if you've gotten to that point where you don't think God loves you, you are only at the beginning of God's everlasting, steadfast love for you. You're only at the beginning of it because God's steadfast love is from everlasting to everlasting. There's no end. 
There's no end to God's step as love. And this is, this is the gospel. We must remember this truth. Like, hide it deep down in your heart. Do not forget it. Because I know that all of us have faced brokenness and sorrow and suffering in this world. Even in the times of greatest joy, like what Deuteronomy 8 was saying. If you have build house, if you have big houses, and if you have flocks and your finances have multiplied and everything's going well for you, do not forget the Lord your God. But remember, remember the gospel. About three weeks ago, um, I was at a funeral. Um, my good friend Danny and his wife, Lisa, um, they, they lost their, their baby son. Um, they were in an accident and um, she was 30 weeks pregnant with their son. And um, during this funeral... Uh, Danny was recounting the events of this, of this, the worst day of their life. And he began to share, he was, um, he began to share, he said, while we were in the hospital room, um, they just delivered our son through an emergency C-section. And he said, I was, I was holding him and the doctor came up and said, he's, he's only got moments to live. Um, he's not gonna, he's not gonna live much longer. And so Danny and his wife, they, they came and they, they were holding their son. And they, he said, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and prayed and asked God to save him. Asked him to bring him back to life. And, da- and Danny said, I believe, like we believe that God can do this. We believe that God can raise our son from the dead. We believe that God is there, is here with us, and that God can do this. And then Danny said to everyone at this funeral, he said, but even if he doesn't, God is still good. I, I've never been to a funeral that has said something so countercultural. Because that is bad. That their son died in this way. That's bad. I talked to Danny earlier this week and he was sharing with me that he's like, I've, I don't know of anything. And maybe some of you have experienced this before, but I don't, he's like, I don't know of anything worse that could happen to us in this life, this side of heaven than losing a child. And he said, and that happened, that happened to me and my wife. And even though that happened, God is still good. He's still with us. I've, we, they said they've never felt nearer to the Lord than right now. And he said, at the end of the day, if the worst thing possible could have happened to me and my wife, and God is still good, then nothing else on earth matters. But that, the fact that God is still good. And Danny reminded me earlier this week that this is why we remember the gospel. This is why we remember the goodness of God. Because we're not immune to any of this. Even in, even in times of joy, we must remember the gospel. We must remember the gospel. David's adamant about it. God is adamant about it. But this psalm, this psalm calls, there's one thing, and I'm going to pick on the fathers here a little bit, since it's Father's Day, it only seems right. 
What is, what is the one thing that this psalm is calling us to do? There's, there's one action that this psalm is calling us as people to do. What is it calling us to do for our children, for our wives, for our churches, for our cities, and for our own souls? What is it calling us to do? One thing that it stresses more than anything else in this psalm, it is calling us to bless the Lord. To praise the Lord. These two words are synonymous. Blessing the Lord and praising the Lord. This is like the the bread on a sandwich from verses 1 and 2 and then verses 20 through 22. David opens and closes the psalm with these two um, with these two uh, passages, I guess. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. And then down to verse 20. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. What David is saying here is that everything in heaven and on earth is blessing the Lord. Bless the Lord, all his angels, all hosts of heaven, all created things, all people in all places. Bless the Lord. There's no one who should not be blessing the Lord. And David, David is, is calling us to bless the Lord because a lot, of what, a lot of what Jesus says echoes what David is saying here. Ultimately, it heals our hypocrisy. We can't bless the Lord from our, our hearts and our souls and everything within us and, and, and not bless him out of our mouth. Because everything, Jesus says in Matthew fifteen eight, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You cannot bless the Lord out of your soul and not honor God with, with every part of you. We must bless the Lord out of our mouths, out of our hearts, out of our souls, out of every part of us and do it wherever we go. If the gospel is hidden in your heart, if you have the gospel, if you're remembering the gospel and it is just a rhythm, a part of your day, a part of, of how you think in the presence of the Lord, this should flow from your mouth because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if there's garbage in your heart, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. But if the gospel is in your heart, if you're remembering the truths of the gospel, if you're remembering Ephesians 2, like these kids, that's what's going to flow out of their mouths. This is how we bless the Lord. And for, for fathers, I, I, I've talked with, with many fathers in this church, and th- there, have, there have been few days that I have not lost my patience with, with my kids. And so when I, when I think about that, like that, that's a situation, that's a scenario that I feel like when I think about blessing the Lord, that's like my least likely moment to be blessing the Lord in those moments. When you sin against someone, when you sin against your family or whoever, or someone at work, like what does it look like to bless the Lord in that moment? I think what David is calling us to, what the Lord is calling us to, is that we remember the gospel and we bless the Lord out of that. You turn to your kids 
and you repent and you say, I am sorry. I'm sorry for losing my patience. And then together, you lead your family in prayer and say, God, you are the only one who can forgive sins. You are merciful and gracious. You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Would you heal me of my disease of sin? And I, I promise you that if we as fathers or as wives or anyone in this church, if we humble ourselves and repent, remember the gospel and bless the Lord, that will radically change our culture, our families, and our lives. That will put our lives on a different direction if we begin putting this truth into action. This is really interesting. I found out um, not so long ago, I'd I'd written most of this sermon um, that John Piper preached on um, Psalm 103 on Father's Day as well, about 15 years ago. And this is one excerpt from his sermon. It'll be up on the screen here. He said, now here is the main point for fathers. I dare to say that there is perhaps nothing that you can do for your children to help them fear God, keep covenant with God, and obey God that will be more effective than your own blessing the Lord continually in their presence. Oh, how rare is this important gift to our children, fathers who openly and from the soul bless the Lord. I plead with you, fathers, not to turn a deaf ear now, not to be fatalistic and say, I'm not really wired that way. Oh, may the Lord come and pour out a new power and a new fullness and a new freedom on you and your wives and all of us in this church. Oh, that it would well up within us to bless the Lord. Church, let's, let's bless the Lord. Let's praise his name. Let's praise the Lord for all of his benefits, for forgiving our iniquities, for healing our, our diseases, for redeeming our life from the pit, for, for the Lord God Almighty crowning us with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord has done good to us. He has satisfied, satisfied us with good. And this is the gospel because we didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. So I think you all know the two responses how we should, what, what we need to walk out of here with today. What are the two responses from today? Well, first we, we must remember the gospel. Back about uh, 12, 12 years ago when the Lord had saved my wife and I, um, we were quickly put into these discipling relationships where we were being discipled and um, we were given a tool that's been super helpful even, even today. As we think about what is the gospel, when we're faced with variety of situations and circumstances, um, we were we were told twelve years ago, craft a statement for the gospel that you are just hiding in your heart, whether it's a passage like Ephesians two, or even creating it from on your own. And so they gave us a model that we had kind of kept in our heart over the years. And I'll share it with you all today. Feel free to take this one or I encourage you to craft your own. But this is something that I've just always turned turn back to and, and just meditated on as I'm walking through a challenging season or if a, if a neighbor comes up and asks what I believe or if someone has never heard the gospel before, this is a great thing to pull out and use. But it goes like this. The just and gracious God of the universe looked upon hopelessly sinful people And sent his son, God in the flesh, to bear his wrath against sin on the cross. 
and to show his power over sin in the resurrection so that all who turn and trust in him will be reconciled to God forever. And I'll share that on uh, the, the Facebook page later this week um, so you guys can have that. Um, but yeah, I want us as a church to, to, whether it's using this or something else, like meditate on the gospel, remember the gospel in every area of our life. And this can be through the sown word, reading the word daily, memorizing it. Like these kids have totally shown us up by memorizing a very difficult scripture memory passage. And once you've learned it, talk about it. Talk about it in your GC or your core group or with your neighbors or with whoever. And part of that talking, talking it out, that is blessing the Lord. Blessing the Lord in all that we do. Whether it's through repentance or through praise or through prayer or when you go and hike or do whatever. If, if you're out and about in the mountains, which I hope most of you are doing, bless the Lord as you see his beautiful creation. You say, God, let that remind you that God is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love. That he is a merciful father. This, this ultimately is what makes us uniquely Christian is that we live out what we believe, not because we have to, not because we have to earn God's favor, because we clearly can see that God has been merciful and gracious to us. But we live it out because it is of the highest and greatest value to us. There's nothing else that matters. So if you want the good life, we must remember the gospel and we must bless the Lord through that remembrance. So let me pray for us as we close. Father, you are worthy of praise. You are merciful and gracious, and you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God, you have taken our sins, and you have moved them as far as the east is from the west. Lord, you are so worthy of praise. Thank you for your son, Jesus, for redeeming us and making us new creations. Lord, would you help us this week as we go into enter into a new week? May we remember the gospel on Monday and on Tuesday and Wednesday and every day after that, God, may we remember the gospel and bless your name, God. May we bless your name in every context, in our homes, around the table, at, around the water cooler, at work, wherever we go, God, may we bless your name. Lord, go before us today. May we honor you and love you in all that we do. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.